Okay, let it rock. All right. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Joe Santangelo. It's a party. Thanks for coming on for the first episode of the Landy Lodge podcast. I'm honored. You're honored. I'm honored. The pleasure's all mine. Episode one. Episode We're one. Here. The We're launch. Rocking. The beginning. A new era has started. The magnum opus. It's good to be here. Are you hyped? I'm hyped. I'm hyped too. I, can't, I don't know if the viewers know, but we're pretty hyped here. Oh, we're very hyped. Let me give you all a little bit of scoop on Joseph Santangelo. You can find him on Instagram at Joe Asks Questions. He is a freelance videographer in the New York City and Long Island areas. He has worked with people such as MMA fighter Al Iaquinta, as well as Jillian Michaels from the Jillian Michaels podcast. And who else? Who was uh, the author you worked with? Who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus? So you're thinking of John Gray. And John Gray. Yeah. I've recorded a bunch of people. I I don't... some So I don't usually like plugging the people who I work with because I don't want it... I don't want it to seem like I'm just like in cahoots with these people every day. I'm a freelancer. So they'll hire... Like I'll do a gig and hey, Ally Kinto was fe- featured. Jillian Michaels was at a party that I was also recording and I did it. She's in the video. It's great for the resume. It's awesome, but I always like being true to what I am, you know? Like, I don't want it to seem like... Well, I mean, the bottom line, though, is you have worked with these people. And the fact fact of the matter is, these people have found that your work is quality enough for them to distribute. That you did a good enough job at painting the picture they wanted to paint, that they were able to distribute it to their followers or people who started following them when they first saw it. That is an accurate depiction of what I've done. That is that is accurate. Well, then, yeah, you, you got to give yourself a little bit more credit, man. I mean, come on. I appreciate it. You're doing it. it. You gotta, You're out I'm here. I'm an undersell rather than an oversell guy right now. Well, you know, I've always been a fan of uh, under-promise over-deliver. Yeah. But sometimes you got to... You gotta you stack gotta, the you deck. Gotta boast. You yeah. gotta boast a little bit. A I little get bit, it. Man. I get it. When you score touchdowns, you should be able to dance. Like, exactly. I understand. Um, no, I'm really, I'm really fortunate that... One, I, that I live in New York. I think that people living in New York don't realize how much an, of an advantage we have over people who don't because there's always something going on in Manhattan. So if you can get to Manhattan, there's always work. Well, that's where I was going to pause you. To be a little more clear, people in New York, I guess, can best be described as those stretching from Suffolk County up to, what would you say, Westchester, if you Orange? Have public tent- if you have public transportation to Manhattan within an hour to hour and a half, I think you can consider yourself in that category where Absolutely. I can get there within a reasonable amount of time to make to make money. Yeah. And I think some of the things that people overlook is there's always it, it's more than just a saying that there's always something happening in Manhattan. Mm. The fact of the matter is there are people who need help. They need work. They need labor. Whether they need you to video, create a video for something or edit a video together. Whether they need me to customize a logo or create a website for mm-hmm. them. The fact of the matter is there are people who need services done everywhere you look in New York City. Which means if you got the hustle, you don't got to starve if you live around here. And not only that, if you're a younger person, so obviously most businesses in Manhattan are run by older people. And if you're a one of the so-called millennials, and you understand upcoming things of marketing like like social media marketing or just how videos can be used to reach new customers, you could find work. Because, I don't know, I have worked with so many great clients, but I've also worked with clients who just, I know I'm there because they don't want to learn the thing that I'm doing. 
and don't want to, like even know any part of that you know so uh yeah it's a great time to be young and understand social media i guess is my point here well not only understand social media but understand how to use some of these content editing apps like if you know your way around the adobe suite you can make yourself a hefty penny yeah so for people who don't know adobe creative cloud uh so it's just your ultimate tool to to edit video photo graphics audio so to me it's just the ultimate tool of creation that i have been able to use like i've been able to use it in the form of business and I don't know. I just love talking about it because I'm so grateful that something exists where you can just learn to, I like, I learn, what I do is I learn to create other people's ideas, what they have, what they're trying to tell for their business. And out of thin air, kind of just create a piece that communicates that idea, that emotion. And sometimes it's just as simple as like, Hey, I'm going like, Hey, I need a flyer for my comedy night. Right? Like, but all right, so what about that flyer is going to make me intrigued? What about that flyer? Like it's putting, it's that I've gotten the opportunity to put myself in the customer mindset the past year or two that I've been really freelancing. Well, hell yeah. Um, I think one of the things that I found most surprising is when I was growing up and I was making the animations on Newgrounds.com and sometimes I needed people to do Photoshop work. And when they sent me the Photoshop they work they did, I couldn't fathom how they did it. In my head, I was just like, oh, well, I guess Photoshop is just something I'm not cut out for. Mm. But the fact of the matter is, if you combine the amount of YouTube tutorial videos there there are out there looking to help you, you give yourself one or two weeks on YouTube with like Adobe Photoshop or Adobe Illustrator, Mm. and you'll be leaps and bounds ahead of where you could ever imagine. Like, I always thought that Photoshop was something I could never do. I'd have to find my way around a whole new program. I'm not sure if that's something I can handle or if you know, photo editing is something that I could do. Mm-hmm. But it was so, like, it's not that it was easy, but it was easier than I thought it would be. It was so much more accessible than I thought it would be. And there were so many more resources than I could have ever anticipated being out there. Yeah. And I think you, I think you actually stumbled upon something there. Because, so, all right, to give a little bit more of my background to people who don't know me. So, like, I just consider, my, I was in college two or three years ago, like a lot of people watching this. And I, at the end of my college career, I went to the College of Staten Island and I had a very good experience for a lot of good reasons, but I did feel like I didn't, I I was a media studies major and I felt like I didn't have any concrete skills that I could use to market myself in the job world. And this was like four months out of graduating. So I took a, so like right before my last semester, I guess four months out of graduating, I took an editing class I didn't need to graduate and I just learned it because I wanted to have one thing that I knew that I could do when I got there, some applicable skill. And so I guess my commentary of what you said is that the way I did it was just what you said, look up, hey, how to use Premiere and just do it an hour every day. And I just think through learning that, I guess that was one of the first concrete skills that I really felt like I learned and applied myself to. So because of that, I felt like it was a great archetype for learning other skills like it. Well, it's like, it's like, you know, the Miyaho Miyamoto Musashi thing is to know the way of one is to know the way of all. Yeah. You know, by learning one trade, you learn how to learn them all. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the the most important thing you can learn growing up is how is how to truly learn. You yeah. Know, not, not only how to obtain <laughs> knowledge, but apply it as well. 
Well, yeah, because that's what learning really is. Because if you just regurgitate things, you don't really know them. Was that ever really like broken down to you or hammered into you, like when you, where you grew up or like where you went to school? No, like, I think I struggled with it greatly. Honestly, learning how to learn things, and I think a lot. I think more people than would care to admit are similar. That yeah, you're not really taught like. These are the steps. This well, is how you I th- break it down. I think one of the things I, I know for me when I was a kid, like for most elementary school, I was actually a pretty good student. But I started falling off around sixth grade, and I really wasn't the best student leading up until I got into college. But um, I think one of the things that really dismote, if that's a word, dismotivated me from applying myself in school is that I feel like it was all so much knowledge based. Like all you're doing is obtaining knowledge and then regurgitating on a piece of paper that you obtained that knowledge as opposed to obtaining the knowledge of something and learning how to apply it and there are some classes like that Mm -hmm. like there was like home ec class when i was in middle school which was a lot like that yeah but i feel there's i'm not saying that you can't have like an entirely knowledge-based class Mm -hmm. but i feel like school should have more avenues that are uh attributed to applying knowledge to a skill or using knowledge you obtained to mm-hmm. do some sort of function. So I, I, I see where you're coming from. So to compare my own uh, struggle with yours, I would say that I didn't understand what needed to be used and why. And I think... It's a good way of putting it. School is very good at giving you a lot of what's, but we as a culture don't want school to give you the why's. It's why we don't often, like, some people are talking about religion or evolution or something that's more closer to whatever their greater purpose, their worldview is of that. So because of that, again, we're, we're told, I think there's general knowledge that's important. I, I think there's, like, we should know some general sciences and history. Absolutely. Like, put it this way, if we switch to a system, if we switch to a system that was only about what we consider applicable skills, people might not really know our history. Well, that, that's kind of where uh, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, where yeah. I'm saying I don't think that should be all of school, but I think there should be more balance between the two. Yeah. Like, there should be a balance between history and maybe like modern day woodshop and what's modern day woodshop i don't know maybe it could be the adobe suite maybe that's your modern day woodshop you know it's interesting because school is really it's like for the masses you know it is public schools for the masses it's like mainstream television it's made to fit what are the most amount of people going to like or how do the most amount of people learn so we like and I think as we progress, so like with television, we're just more niches are becoming available. And I think that's happening with everything. I think education is no different. I think there will be more schools that teach just specific ways of learning, specific skills. And I think a result of that, though, will be some of these things uh, that we consider mainstream are going to go to the wayside for better or for worse. I really don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I just think that might be a result. Because we are starting to see that that's an issue. That, A, I might not be able to use astronomy in my everyday life to get a job or make money or pay my taxes or whatever the real life shit I'm going to get hit with. And I think another struggle to go along with that is that like something you learn in 2010 can be obsolete by 2018. I think that happens all the time in college. Like Especially so people too. learning marketing. It's like marketing changes all the time. At an instant. Yeah. Well, especially with social media, it's like how often does Facebook or Instagram change the algorithm and then the strategy around how to use that 
changes with it. And if you're paying some school to teach you that, that you're not, that doesn't have a vested interest in you two years from now, they're just trying to get you what, what's the curriculum now. It's again, it's just difficult. That's, that's really where I'm at on it is I really don't have any solutions on it. Um, because it's ever changing. People just have to keep staying educated all the time if that's their field. Well, I'm glad you brought up social media because I kind of want to pick your brain about that a little bit. Okay. There are people like myself who sometimes fall into the trap of thinking uh, social media is just like a, it's just like a gateway to narcissism, or it's just a way to make ourselves feel self-important, or we're farming for dopamine boosts every time we get a like on a photo. But sometimes we can be blind to the other side of social media, the side that can empower us or, you know, empower our individual pursuits. How do you feel about that? And how would you like to see more people, at least in our age demographic, use things like Instagram and Facebook to their competitive advantage? Um, So I think it's very complicated. And how I'll start this is that I think that a lot of people, myself included, have problems with discipline in this area because it's very easy to get stuck in an Instagram hole or a Twitter hole if you find something interesting. So I think that's a potential negative of social media that needs to be explored. However, I think there are are so many positives when it comes to social media because just let's just take it if you're someone who doesn't have a lot of friends. You can talk to people about the things you're interested in, regardless of whether you know them, regardless, like just one instant about one topic that's happening right now on Twitter, you can talk to someone and that option, that person might've been lonely 20 years ago because they wouldn't have had that person to talk to. So I think the just potential outreach of anything you want or are interested in is like such a positive we need to explore. But I don't want that to be confused with the fact that people can really get all of their time consumed by getting likes, which are, it's just artificial gratification, which we do with everything else, right? Like, well, I don't know if it's artificial gratification, but I think it's closer to kind of what I was saying before, where you're, you're dopamine farming. You know, you're putting something up so that people can basically double tap and give you approval. Yeah. And that you'll feel good about that. Well, yeah, but it's... What I mean about artificial is that, I mean, people confusing likes on Instagram to actual real-life gratification. Or, like, people actually liking them. Yeah, no. Or liking that thing that they did. That's a good point. Or sometimes, like, put it this way, sometimes you could just be scrolling and you just like something. It looked cool. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even totally understand the thing. It's just an Instagram like, you know? But people will be looking at their phone every five seconds and be like, oh, my God, I got... I got 30 likes. And I'm that guy, too. So don't... I'm not... I'm not blaming... I understand the problem. <laughs> I totally get where everyone's coming from. Uh, and some people are all... It's just, like... It's not... Some people have discipline, man. Some people can just look at it for what it is. Can only use the positives and disregard the negatives. Well, I think that's definitely what I'm trying to do. And I, I kind of want to kind of push more people down that road. And that's not to say that I'm the guy who does it right. I've got a lot to learn when it comes to that. But... I mean, let's be honest, man. Social media is going to be with us pretty much from here on out. I mean, until it's substituted by something else, the fact that we can have not only instant communication with the people we know and love, but instant communication with people with, you know, uh, similar interests mm-hmm. or similar hobbies. That's that's not going away. 
that that it's instant a, communication is not going away. We're going yeah. to have that moving forward. And I think it's important to find out what are the best ways of using it and in what ways are we using it that we should think twice about. Mm-hmm. And also, what age should we start using it? Like, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know the effects of the fact that five year olds have Instagram. I see my younger, like a really younger cousin of mine just got Instagram, and it's kind of, it's interesting. It's weird. Like, the way I see him interacting with his other eight year old friends on Instagram, it's something we've never experienced before. So, you know, proceed with caution. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's an empowering thing because to be that well connected and communicative with the people around you and the people you're building relationships with it's it's definitely powerful it's definitely stimulating but i guess you don't want it to turn your brain to mush well what's that is there okay so i was about to ask is there a line of overstimulation um like twitter right or like or do you adapt is the other way it's like because to me i just feel like I'm used to seeing a spam of information on Twitter all the time. So when I go on Twitter, all right, I'm hit with like 20 different news stories. And just think, like, there are humans who didn't even have news stories. There are parents <laughs> who had four channels. Like, it's something that it was, was so much more streamlined. Yeah. Sometimes I think, all right, well, now I'm just used to it. All right, it's just Twitter. You know, okay, it's weird the first however many years it was weird to me. And then I started using it every day. Twitter. Well, do you find Twitter to be a adequate way to get your news? Yeah, yeah, okay, here's why I think You're going to have to unwrap that. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is because Twitter is your thoughts in real time. So I think it's actually one of the most accurate forms of history we'll have going forward. That's a pretty good point. Can you imagine like three, like, oh, you're going to need more than that. Do you think that there will one day be, if it's not out there already, a book, it's like the tweets of President Donald J. Trump. Yeah. And you could just fly through them all. Yeah. Like, that's going to be like a history chapter in its own. You can't... These are his thoughts. The people of 2046. Let me just tell you, people <laughs> of 2046. You will never be able to accurately understand our political climate right now if you don't read Trump tweets. How often do you read Trump tweets? You know, I try and peruse, like, once a week. At least just see what he's talking ta- See that's what's a, going on. That's a healthy amount. Yeah. You know, when it gets no, to once a once day. You, no. That's I'm not back that the fuck off. <laughs> I can't get mas- I can't get a mas- soap opera too much, and that's why I'll let people educate me. I'll I'll read headlines. I'll try and make opinions, but there are just so many opinions, and we only have so many hours in a day. If that's not the thing you're doing, if you're not a pundit, if you're not trying to work in it, it like I feel like people try and stay base level line informed. Well, that's why I feel like if you're really gonna play it accurately, I feel like you almost need to find people out there that you trust journalists that you trust Mm -hmm. i would probably discourage sticking to news organizations because at the end of the day their business plan is profit it's not to get you accurate news if getting you inaccurate news means more profit they're probably going to do that yeah so but that's the person too the person just does it at a smaller scale the person does that if they're going to do it full time they're going to make money off of it and then they make money off of you watching it the same way the media do you think company just scales it do you think there are any honest journalists out there then I think honest is a confusing word there, and I just think that there's no media that's unbiased. Do you think... I think everyone holds a bias, and there are articles where people try and be bias-free, but even those have degree like words that everyone Everyone's going to have a degree of bias at at the end of the day. Exactly. But if you find a journalist who's aware of their own bias and makes their 
followers aware of this bias? Would you not consider them more honest and trustworthy than the average Joe? No pun intended. I would just take that bias into account with whatever it is they're saying. I wouldn't say that they're more trustworthy. I just think they're they're I more like honest with extent. themselves. They're more honest with themselves. And with you, too, because they're they're expressing that mm-hmm. in some sort of for- format, be it on video or interview or mm-hmm. book. They're expressing to you, hey, I have this flaw. I am biased towards yeah. these things. So take what I'm saying with that grain of salt. Yeah. Admitting, admitting I feel like that the makes them more trustworthy. <laughs> it's better than okay. Put it this way: if you're just a logo, logo, and you're putting out propaganda all the time, and you're just like, that's, "I'm the truth." That's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> like, yeah, but either way, I just take them into like, I okay. I know CNN is going to give me the CNN perspective on things, and I know Fox News is going to give me the Fox News perspective, and I know those are going to be different perspectives. And then I also, if I was really trying to get into it. Every writer in those headquarters who works there probably has a different perspective, and it's not just one like logo unified front. Well, you find that with Vice a lot. I found I found Vice has a lot of varying uh, points of view. Vice has many varying points of view, and I think it's evolved a lot over the years. It's not what it was when I first started watching Vice. Um, That's true. The old Vice would have flipped out at Elon Musk smoking weed. This yeah. this vice kind of turned on. They're them. practically the weed channel too. If you watch Viceland, like they're they, it's like, I don't know, they got really mad about that. They I think they used the headline Elon Musk ruined weed, which yeah it was something like that, which is ridiculous. Yeah, but you know I've I've had conversations with people people have had that opinion. People, <laughs> I think it's people like hating on what's popular too. So Elon Musk absolutely broke makes the him feel special. Yeah. So Elon Musk broke the internet by smoking pot, and there are some people who just want to be like, he's not really that cool, that guy. He's like, what? he's not a big deal. He just smoked pot. Bro, he didn't inhale, bro. He didn't inhale. He didn't. Um, Neither did Clinton. But <laughs> anyway, let's talk about football. We're You're, a big about football? You're a big right. Giants fan. We're gonna, You're a big we're Giants gonna fan. You're a big Giants. Talk about football. Let's I don't talk. know if I want to talk about. You football. You don't want to talk about football. No, let's talk about football. Let's do it. Do you want to talk about football? Yeah. I know it's hard. You already be, be And listen, I, I came off a freaking terrible day myself today. But the one in five Giants. What do you want to say to the Giants fans listening right now, Joe? As a season ticket holder. As the Santangelos have been a season ticket holder for what? How many years now? Since the Giants offered season tickets, my grandfather went out and bought season tickets. And What when, year was that? I think like 57. 50, we're now, talking about... Half a century dynasty here, people. The Santangelos and the New York Giants have been tied together for over 50 years. But please go on. It's a bad year. It's a bad <laughs> year, guys. It's not It's not what we thought it would be. Eli Manning, the greatest Giants quarterback of all time, is probably done. You heard it here. You heard it here on the Landy Lodge. The Santangelo stamp. It's hard, man. It's hard. I went all offseason. <laughs> I was so in for the Giants company line. Eli's got years <laughs> left. Last season, Ben McAdoo's fault. The team was fine. The team was fine. But no, Eli Manning does not have years, plural, left. If he, You don't think if, he's got one year after this? If he does, it's because he has a year on his contract, and we have no one because we released. Well, him. you don't have anyone. 
Oh, we have Laletta, who look ah, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm, it's a sad time. You're not gonna die in the hill of Laletta. It's La a sad time to be a Giants fan. It's, I disagree. I disagree. You're saying it's a sad time to be a Giants fan. Let me tell you something. It's been a rough last four or five years for you guys. Well, you've made the playoff once in the last five years. It's something like that. Yep. <laughs> but do you know what you have now? What? You've got gold. You've got Saquon Barkley who very well, in almost no time, might become the best running back in the league. He's definitely top five this season. The 2000... He's unbelievable. The 2018 Giants, weeks one through six, has been Saquon Barkley and a heaping, flaming dumpster full of garbage. So are you throwing Odell Beckham Jr. in that heaping, steaming dump of Garbage. I'm saying the that ramen noodle the, man himself. Odell Beckham has, because of many factors, underperformed this year and usually gets off one cool move a game. It's not like Odell's having the worst year. He's we have two plays. It's run with Saquon. No, three plays. Run with Saquon. Short toss to Saquon. Toss to Odell. Giants playbook. Got it. It's out there. Well, let's just Twitter hope, spoilers. Let's just hope the Atlanta Falcons You're are right. not listening. Yeah, right. Because you just gave away their entire plan. <laughs> Done. Done. Yeah. But for real, and I, I, apparently Nate Solder's having a really good year holding down left tackle for you guys. I mean, you guys have There's pieces. no really good. We're one in five. There's no really... So, oh, so, so Saquon the Barkley... Saquon Barkley and a heaping, flaming pile, pile of, of, dog of shit. dumpster. Of dumpster. Yeah. Okay. It's a flaming dumpster. So you right don't there. think... You don't think the New York football Giants can be a championship team in the next three to four years? I, you can't predict shit. I'm not asking NFL. you to predict. On, no, no, no. I'm asking you to fathom, not predict. You can't fathom anything for next year. I can. You could try. I can fathom Saquon it... Barkley's still going to be a beast. Saquon I can fathom that. Yeah. Can't predict it. Yeah, but if you don't get if you don't get someone in the quarterback role, if you don't get someone in the quarterback role who can like step up, it's a quarterback league. So I understand it's a quarterback league. I understand that, let's be real, you're not going to win without a good quarterback. And honestly, you don't need the best quarterback to win. You just need a good one. What's been shocking to me is the amount of how well young crop is playing their first year in the NFL. And I'm not saying the Giants are going to have the guy next year. But you don't mean to tell me you can't groom a quarterback the next three to four years to be a really good quarterback or even just a good quarterback. You can't find your Joe Flacco out there. And Flacco is putting the bar low. I'm putting the bar low for you. Listen. I'm not asking you listen. to find Carson Wentz. Listen, listen, listen. All right. Just going to flex that a all little right, bit. All right, all right, all right, all right. Can we find a quarterback? Possibly. No. But you're asking, can we win a championship in the next three years? Honestly? Three to four. All right. Like, in a league where it's impossible to predict anything. Truth. I just... The problem's not just Eli. If the problem was just Eli, you might have a point. But the fact is our O-line is shot. We brought in an expensive O-lineman, Nate Solder, because we thought we could win now. This was the win-now plan. That's why we didn't draft Sam Darnold. We drafted a running back because we told ourselves these stories... Oh, we're going to get a better line for Eli. We're going to get a running back. to say, He's going to be able to throw the ball. Guess what? The problem 
must it's either that we've just played like shit the last couple of weeks like this is week seven we're going into tomorrow the giants are going to play the falcons so i could timestamp this how shit we've been to here and unless we completely just change the way we've been playing the rest of the season i'm going to assess it as it's been the problem is so far beyond eli at this point the problem is the defense we have odell and we have saquon and we're building from there we have evan ingram we got a tight end we got a tight end Everyone else is probably expendable on this team, and I don't, like... You don't got anybody on the defensive side of the ball, you treasure? No. Not one, huh? They See, I got I got guys I have soft thoughts for, but I have no one who... I, like, after this season, I, I foresee a purge. I foresee an off-season purge. Because we also need to change our play calling, right? Like, is is getting a new quarterback? I guess not. I mean, getting a new quarterback would completely change the playbook. So, fucking, it's got Giants fans. You want a message? Drink bleach right now. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. We. I had hope, guys. I had hope. Oh, well, this guy was here telling me y'all were going nine and seven. I, had hope. I humored him and I gave him seven and nine. We both looking like fools. Landy started a podcast so he could invite me on and talk shit about the Giants. Listen, listen. We could talk shit about the Eagles, okay? My Eagles, who have just not played up to par, who got cocky in the fourth quarter today. The defense was dancing because they were up 17-0, and they give up 21 uncontested. They've choked. They have choked on big games. Your team went... From being world beaters to a pretty good football team. That's it. That's it. I can't. You have to understand. I can't talk shit about the Eagles because of how badly you beat the Giants last week. I'm not going to go on record and say anything negative about your team this year. Because even though your team is no longer a first place team, they're like. I still think they're going to win this division though. But they're not going to be the dominators we thought they were going to be. Until December, and they get hot again. And well, that's the thing. Carson it's, Wentz gets hurt. Nick Foles comes back on the team <laughs> all over again uh, for the shootout with the Pats. <laughs> In our dreams, right? Oh, uh, that's the thing, dude. I already lived the dream. Yeah. I watched my backup quarterback do what your franchise quarterback did. Only your franchise quarterback did it twice. So I got to give you that. But that's why Nick Foles beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl this year is your worst nightmare. Yeah, which is why it's a pipe dream. (laughs) Fair enough. You heard it here first. Pipe dream. So Joe Santangelo, you're a bit of a gamer, but you're not a conventional gamer. No, I I feel like to use the word gamer on me is pretty much a stretch. I, mean, I don't know, man. You think so? Yeah. You think so? I play I play Nintendo Switch with with, with the roomies, with the friends. I play group games, and I play what, Civilization on my computer. You only play Civilization? Yeah. You don't got any of the games on that computer? Like, bro, I play board games. I play chess. I play, hey, you play like, board games. You're yeah. gaming. Right, Aren't if, you a Catan enthusiast? I am indeed a Catan. Settlers of Catan, I am a Catan enthusiast. So for the people who don't know what Catan is, you mind? The greatest board game of our time. See, I've said it's like a combination of Risk, Monopoly, and Chess. Poker. A little bit. You a little see, bit of poker. You gotta see if the, the crew's bluffing, you know. That's a good point. See, well, that's, that's kind of where I got chess from. Not yeah. the bluffing, but kind of reading your you're opponent. Looking, you're thinking ahead. You're thinking ahead. Exactly. There's a lot of skills used in Catan. I love... 
2018 has been the year where I've played a disproportionate amount of Catan. And I love when I post on Instagram about Catan, how there'll always be a random person that I haven't talked to in like five months who reaches out. It's like, oh man, you play Catan? Oh, I love that game. Brings us well, all together, Catan, man. Catan is the wave. Yeah. It's a brilliant Brings game. Brings people to, together. It's an absolutely brilliant game. It is a brilliant game. You competed in one of the regional tournaments. I did not compete in one of the regional tournaments. You didn't? I have associates who... I signed up for a regional tournament and then booked myself on a gig the day of the tournament and then my friends went to it. So, I did not right. compete. So, what I'm hearing is you're just preparing for 2019. Oh, I'm training every, 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 all the time. All the all time. The time. I don't know. We've been, slacking. we've been slacking a little lately. Yeah. This used to be a Catan household. Yeah. But then Mario Tennis and Mario Party moved in. Yeah, we kind of have fads here. You know? We're having fads. Nah, a, week, a week Mario Party comes out, we'll play a little disproportionate Mario Party. Maybe we'll get bored next week. We'll play more Catan, you know? That's how it works. Yeah, it is how it works. It's been a while since we played a six-player game, though. we got to try and get some of the other boards. I know it comes with Facts. multiple boards. If you're boards. out here, you're watching this, you want to play Catan with us, we're right here. Yo, yeah, hit us up. Catan. What's up? Anyway. Although you'll get you'll get crushed. Yeah, there's there's no there's no winning. Trash. Absolute trash. Yeah. Okay, Joe, so you're in a bit of a transitionary period yourself right now. You're a freelancer who's looking for more work. You're looking to up the ante. Always. Always. But you're also considering finding more steady work. Yeah. How do you break down the pros and cons in your head? When you're a freelancer, it's like you're going fishing, and if if you don't catch fish, you don't eat. <laughs> so, so it it's definitely was a transition from getting a paycheck every other Friday to now every time I do a job, I'm asking for a paycheck. Or sometimes, but I use Upwork.com. You have a pre-done contract, but it's just a different vibe. It's a different set of skills. Um, Bro, it's it's pros and cons. I feel like the only like it's about I feel I just like your general happiness every day. Like if you if you if you could find something that makes you prepared for that grind, like if you could find a place to work that supports you, even if it's not the favorite thing you if even if it's not your favorite thing, I think it's all about self-awareness and what type of lifestyle that you can handle. And I think when you're young, it's a good idea to test out a lot of different ones so you know what you like. Uh, and having done 9 to 5 and done the like the perks of freelance are that, hey, you could choose when you get up. But hey, it might be a better idea. Like some days I've had to get up at 5 o'clock because it would, hey, that's when the gig is. So it's just, it's more in my interest. Uh, this turned a little bit into a ramble, but pros and cons man <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough decision it's life well i know you're the kind of, i know you're the kind of guy who's enjoyed the traveling that's come with being a yeah i've gotten so. to travel a lot from freelance i've gotten flown to california a couple times i got uh dc i've just a couple different places i've gotten to work through freelance just random jobs and it's been beautiful man like i got to travel and I got to get paid to do something I like, which oh. so many people can't. What's your favorite place that you've traveled to from working freelance? From working freelance? Well, definitely San Francisco. Because, one, I've been there the most, so I've gotten to do the most there. Um, and it's a beautiful... It's the only place I've been to more expensive than Manhattan. I'll have to say that. But it's a beautiful city. I love seeing different types of architecture. I think, I think everyone should travel while they're young, at least a little bit, you know, I think everyone should travel period. I don't think you should stop when you're older. 
Obviously, I you have more you, responsibility, yeah. and there's more things that you need to tend to. I think you should disproportionately travel while you're young. Okay. Because I'm responsibilities you are more likely to get in the way when you're 30 plus. Oh, exactly. Like, I know you and I are headed to Charleston next week. Yeah. It's a lot tougher to do 10 years down the line than it is today. Yeah, exactly. It's just more maneuvering you have to do. Like, if you got little guys, you got to get them either in daycare, someone to watch them, stuff like that. So, what? That's what I don't know. That's why I wanted to do freelance now because I don't know how to would I have done it if I was 35 and in the same position if I had people who counted on me. Right now it's just me fishing and I just need enough fish to feed me. Um, and that's really what it is. And I think it's also, I think for the individual it's about whether it's about the process of fishing or whether it's about the fish. Um, so for this year I think it's been more about the process of fishing of like, hey, I'm just happy that, hey, I'm staying afloat, man. I'm st- like, I, I got the gigs, I can pay all the bills, I can just do the thing. And just being at that base level of doing the thing, doing what I love every day, that was enough for this period. And I think that there, a lot of people hit a point in life where the fish become more important than the fishing. And I don't know if I'm going to hit that point <laughs> or uh, like it could come tomorrow. It could come five years. It could come never. I think what you want in life evolves. And yeah, it's just <laughs> all part of the decision, man. Well, I know for me, one thing that was a make or break for me was having enough money that I don't need to worry about sustaining myself. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I don't have to watch how every single dollar is spent. You should watch how you spend your money but it's nice to almost have that little bit of freedom of like hey you know what if i want to get a freaking sandwich today it's not going to make or break whether or not i can pay my rent you know so i knew that that's what i wanted was to get yeah. to that place and from there i could continue figuring it and out And that's the thing i think after a certain amount of time if it's like that then that might be a signal that uh that freelance isn't working out if you have to like if you're not making money then you should can't pay your bills, and then you obviously should do something where you're making enough. It's like well, with freelance, you can you can all, you can build up a clientele while you have a job. You just can't well, do that work during it. your job. Yeah, that's how I did it, man. It's like I started freelancing because I was working at a place called the Sports Science Lab. It's a wonderful company based out of Staten Island. Sports science works. Sports science does work, and I worked at a sports science lab in Staten Island for about 18 months total six months before the end i googled how to freelance and i came across upwork.com and i made a profile and then someone hired me from that profile and then once you do 100 hours on that website they really like you and then they send you work and i got sent up enough work where i was able to duplicate the income i had at the job at the time and i just went man i was in a place in my life where i didn't need something different i loved working there but i worked for one place for 18 months I'm sure anyone who's worked somewhere for a long time can understand that, hey, you get a little bit burnt out of what you're doing. You want to flip it up, a fresh coat of paint. And, yeah. Well, I think that was a bold move, man, because I think I think it's funny sometimes how we work. Um, you took a leap. Mm-hmm. You know, you said, hey, I'm going to get away from this guaranteed income, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out there and, in some senses, make your own income. Fish. Nobody, Nobody had a bigger say on what your salary was than you. Yeah. You know, nobody had that kind of control over you, as opposed to someone who does work a full-time job. I think that's part of the self-awareness of whether freelance is for someone or not. It's because uh, you need that off switch to, like, there's no limit to when you can make money. So if you work a nine to five at six o'clock, unless you're doing something else, you can't make money from that job anymore. You're cut off. 
but every hour you're not spending working is an hour that you could have been making more money. And that kind of work-life balance is something that only every person can control themselves. There's no set formula to how it may, you make it work for you. And it also changes every day with your life because your life's always changing. And, you know, some people are just not down for that. Some people just like more of a routine. They feel more comfortable in structure. Uh, personally, it's I've done this for a year and it's great. And there are th- times I love it. And there are times where it gets frustrating. And, yeah, just trying to figure out every day what fits me more, you know? And I think you're getting closer and closer every single day. I mean, because like you said, those things evolve. Those things change over time. So you might have a hold of it in September, but come October, it might change. You know what's funny, bro, is that you say closer and closer, and I actually don't... That analogy to me doesn't fit it, just because I think it's more, did you achieve it today? Well, did you you achieve it today? (sighs) Bro... The, the, the football was rough today. I don't football, know. Was, <laughs> football was rough. Today. I don't know. Yeah, but generally about my life, yeah, man. Today was a good day. And well, the, I th- you didn't have any control over football, Sometime. so you can't let that break you up. Well, of course, bro. Some, I, mean, I let it break me up today. Some, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes, let it break sometimes we get upset over things we can't I was, control. I was weak, <laughs> unwise. It's about it's part of being a person. Absolutely. But what I was getting at before was you took this leap. Yeah. And all it did was it just, it like super powered you. It's it's almost like when we thrust ourselves into situations that put our backs against the wall, like that's when we rise. It's or like, you crumble. It's or, not, bro. It's like lifting weights. It's like lifting weights. It's like you're bench pressing and either you're going to push that shit out or it's going to fall back against you and you're kicking and you need someone to lift that shit or you're not getting up. And it could go either way sometimes. I'm not going to say I'm 100% I've always pushed it out. Some days that weight's stuck, bro. And that's why I don't think it's ever getting there. It's just, it's a ratio. Do I have more good days than I have bad? I think this year I've had more good days. That's a good thing. Yeah. I think I think most of my life I've been pretty good about that, having more good days than bad days. I've had, <laughs> I've been, long. <laughs> I mean, life is long, so I hope I can keep this yeah. up. Yeah. I will keep this up. But I've also, I was also born into a, a very fortunate situation. Mm-hmm. And I have no illusions about that. For sure, bro. I mean, I think that's something that uh, as a middle class person I've had to learn is just dealing with, hey, there are people with more and there are people with less. And it's, I think it's unhealthy to continue. It's never going to be equal. It's never going to be equal. And I think it's unhealthy to concern yourself as much with what other people have. Well, it's like, a, it's like a, a wise man once said... Um, you should never look at your neighbor to see if they have more than you. Just check to make sure they have enough. That's a that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Never never concern yourselves with the people that have more than you, especially if you have enough yeah. yourself. I like that. That's a you good know? way of looking at it. Um Yeah, I think with like we go back to Instagram, right? I think it's really a challenge for this era because it's so new. That like I've been in cool places or I've been working cool jobs and then I'll see someone doing something that might be more enjoyable to me in that second. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I wouldn't even say jealous, but it's just like, oh, man, that would have been nice. That would have been cool to be there, too. And that little feeling, I think, like FOMO, it's just so yeah. rampant. FOMO, for those who don't know, is fear of missing out. But go on. Facts. Um, yeah, I... I 
it's unhealthy, uh, to, in my opinion, to concern yourself over what people, other people have. But it's also hard to not have it on your mind when it's so it's hit, spamming us in the face. Well, it's like at the end of the day, what you really got to take a hold of is your attitude. It's like, man, when I see someone who's got more than me, like when I see a programmer who's better than me, or mm-hmm. I see someone who's a better athlete than me, it's like you got to structure that that it motivates you. It's like, oh, okay, so you practiced more than me, didn't you? You know, oh, okay, so you're you're giving this me more time than I am. You know, maybe there were a few Saturday nights where I was out drinking and you were there practicing that thing. You know, you, you kind of got to put it on yourself at the end a of the day. A wise man, Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk, once said, you're either on offense or you're on defense. What and do you want you today? See, today? Oh, a lot of teams have lost, Nick. I don't know what I'm <laughs> on, but... Um, no, I just think it's like when you see someone better than you. There have been so many times I've seen video videographers that are better than me, and sometimes I can't say I've never gotten defensive about it. It'll be like, damn, like I kind of want like it's inspiring. You want to be as good, but I, you're right. I think a proper mindset to have about that would just to let that drive you and like be on offense. Like, all right, how did you, you got better, but how? What did you learn? Just use that as your drive, man, because it's the only way you'll ever get better at something. And I think another skill is accepting that you can't control your initial reaction. Because like your initial reaction might be, oh, geez, I'm jealous. You're envious, mm-hmm. you know, of that person's skill or of that person's riches, whatever it may be. You can't control your initial reaction. If your initial reaction is to be envious, that's going to happen. But what you got to do is getting get good at responding to your initial reaction. Yeah. Like almost catching yourself. Like, hey, I'm feeling like that, but really, this should just be a motivator. I think a good way to do that is just to ask yourself, is like, what is this reaction telling me about how I actually feel about the yeah, situation? What, what is the universe communicating back at me Yeah, through, through my envy? Exactly, exactly. And then that's, I feel like a lot of times we know, like, a lot of times I've found that I... I'm better at giving advice than taking advice. And I just think that's a degree of just like self-awareness. Well, giving that... advice involves no follow-through. Yeah, to, exactly. To take the advi- follow-through is all the work. To take man. advice, you got to apply the knowledge mm-hmm. of the advice given. Yeah. It goes back to like school. It's like, hey, just because you memorize something, just because you have it in your brain, doesn't mean you know how to apply that thing, you know? I can know what the right steps to do in a situation are, how to tell you what to do. doesn't mean I can do them. And I think to... I'm trying to think of the right way to word this, but it's like you might understand what's written in the Bill of Rights. You might be able to repeat them all back at me. God knows I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't repeat my the Bill of Rights back at mm-hmm. you right now, but there might be someone who could. Yeah. But just because they can do that doesn't mean they really understand. You know, doesn't doesn't mean they quite understand the function of what's written in there you, you kind of know what i'm trying to say and that's the thing i'm bro we could get as complex as you want with this cause oh yeah you, we don't know the ramifications of one specific bill in this specific situation if she gets here at four o'clock and it's like it comes down to there are just so many people so many situations at one time it's hard to know the mass implications of any of them you know bro it's a it's a work in progress of just Truth. understanding everything every day I guess so. <laughs> it's like every so. everything we could talk about right now, there are so many variables that could be happening. We could think of a thousand different scenarios for most laws or bills or anything of how they affect different people based on your circumstances. You know? People don't have time to do all that. <laughs> it's just you go to work. So you say things like that and then I, co- I just become understanding of why the government sucks. 
Well, it's, bro, it's hard. Quote, unquote, the government <laughs> sucks. You don't know, it's really hard. I was going to say, I feel like, they're, like, put it this way, there are definitely some government agencies that probably suck. I think a lot of us scapegoat the DMV because it's the most miserable place on earth to be. <laughs> and, but you know what? It's like, I'm sure <laughs> that's, there's just so many idiosyncrasies with just the DMV that we could probably do to fix that agency and make it more efficient. Um, and that's what, bro, everyone, I think it's good when you can just stay in the lane you're working on right now, stay in that one little, what's your corner of the world you could help make a little bit better today? That's kind of what that's I'm about, what, man. Clean, it, clean up for. your own backyard. You okay. clean up your backyard, your neighbor's going to want to clean theirs. Fact. And the cycle's just going to keep going. For sure. 100%. So, Joe Santangelo. So, Nick Landy. Tell me, what is the Joe Santangelo? What key... When you find yourself in troubled times, what do you find helps you persevere? So, for an example, when you lose a big freelance client, what is the thing that gets you back up on the horse? The thing that gets me back up on the horse? Um, <laughs> lately, there's no choice. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> like, are you going to, all right, so I can sit here. If you, if I, okay, someone calls me right now and be like, I don't want you to do my videos. Well, that sucks. I could sit here and I could be sad about it. And maybe I will be sad about it for a minute. And then tomorrow. Well, are you going to not do videos? Or are you going to, okay, just go fishing? No other options. You're, are, are you alive? Okay. Then so you're doing seems, more things. It seems to me you have a very binary mindset. It's like, hey, you're doing it or you're not doing it. You're doing the videography thing, you're doing the pay your rent thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm definitely you're, doing you're, the pay my rent. You're, you're doing all those things. So it's just like, oh, I lost a client. Well, I guess I got to go find another. Well, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's a thing of it in the broader way. Okay, I lost money. Well, now I'm going to find more money tomorrow. And you know what? Okay, when you lose a client also, you should analyze why did I lose that client? Okay, where the, okay what is that the model I want to duplicate in the next one? So you're obviously going to change it. It's not like binary, hey, I'm going to do it exactly the same way I did it before. Yeah, I got to take charge of why something bad might have happened. But at the end of the day, I'm alive. So I'm going to do it again tomorrow. I'm going to do something again tomorrow. I'm going to solve that macro issue, which is not the client per se, but it's the thing. Why did I have the client in the first way? Was it the fish or the fish? Was it the fish or the fishing? That's why I said before why I think it comes down to, okay, what's this actually about to you? Well, if it was about the fish, then I'm going to go find more fish because that's why I was doing it. And if it was about the fishing, then, okay, I'll find someone in that same genre or that same type of project because obviously I loved doing that even if it didn't work out. And you don't know that at first, you know? Well, then let me ask you, in this moment right now, are you more about the fish or are you more about the fishing? <laughs> I think... I think when it's about the fish, I think, <laughs> I, th I think. I was just saying, in this analogy, the fish is the money. Yeah, the uh, for, for you at yes. home, if you're lost, the fish is the money. The fishing is the videos or the, the art, whatever it is I'm doing. Um, I think at this point, it's very subjective to who I'm working with. And I think there are definitely scenarios where it's way more about the fish than it is the fishing. And I think I'm trying to grow past those. I think that I don't want in the macro for it to be about the fish because I think it's important to live in the moment 
So I think that's really the thesis of why I wanted to do freelance in the first place was to make the to make your days better. It's like it's a it's a it's a battle every day of is this day good? Do it like is my percentage up every day of what I want, what I want to feel, what I want to be doing, and. I think that sometimes you use fish like money as a means to an end for those things. Or I think growing is the process of learning, like of trying to make it more the things than the thing to get you the things. If that, if everyone's followed along here. <laughs> so I have to ask you, Joe yeah. Santangelo, I have to ask you, what does it all mean? What are we doing here? What is our purpose? Is this all just meaningless? Or does every little thing have meaning? Or is it both? Give me Joe Santangelo's unique perspective on meaning in this life. I think meaning is subjective to you, brother. I think your meaning is subjective. What? I'm, I'm asking for your... What is it all to you? So... I think... For, for, for my life's meaning at this point right now... I want to just be better tomorrow than I was today. That's, I think, at the core of it, is that I have definitely had times in life where I've had too high of expectations for myself and then didn't meet those, and then it caused me to actually set myself back. So I'm at the point now where I just want to be better every single day because I think that's what I can control, what I can do, but I don't believe in some grand one for all of us. I think it's just like, for you, you might want to impact a bunch of people's lives. Or you might just want the best fucking life for yourself. And who is it for me to say which one is better for you? Well, it's all on us to define our own meaning. That's for sure. But do you think at the end... So do you, you're of the belief that we all have our own subjective meaning. That there isn't an objective meaning out there that we all share. Or except do you think both existing. exist? Or except think... for existing, I think... Uh, what is the meaning of existing? Do you what wake... does that mean? Do you wake up tomorrow? Does Nick Landy wake up tomorrow or do you die? Well, the next if question you... would have to be, who's Nick Landy? Whoever is inhabiting this body, this, this thing, this thing you're in. Well, we don't know, man. Well, that's what I... Because my body is going to stick around and my body will be devoured by the earth and redistributed. It definitely will. But where, do, where does this go? I don't think you exist as Nick Landy after that. I think Nick Landy is temporary to the moment that you're in, and I don't think you're the Nick Landy you were five years ago. I think that guy doesn't exist. See, I think what makes Nick Landy special is he is temporary. Yes, I think that's I think that's universally true. So now that we've brought that up, what do you think about becoming immortal using artificial intelligence? <laughs> Uploading your consciousness Chip into a gang, <laughs> Chip gang, putting it in. I guess give that's me, what I'm really asking. Give me Joe, a, Joe Santangelo, are you doing the chip? When we have the ability, are you doing the chip? To put the supposed chip in us that makes us somehow a robot or artificial intelligence or immortal. Uh, like I think the general answer for most people is, I'm not going to be the first chip guy. Well, the first guy through the wall I'm is always gonna, bloody. I'm not going to be the last chip guy either. You, got, so. <laughs> you definitely don't want to be the last of the chip is what I'm saying. You want to be the last person with like analog te television? You want to be the person they had to tell? is like, hey, we're switching to digital. Can you get off? Can you get off? It's real. We're not doing this anymore. I'm going to keep tabs in if there's a better way of doing things. So do you think, think non-chip people are going to go the way of the VCR where the, yeah. the, the entire market is just going to completely ignore their existence? There 
is a book called The Circle that explores this. And it was made into a movie that has Emma Watson in it, if you want to do the, the shorter version. And it's, it's basically there are definitely going to be people who want to be the I'm going to live in the woods type of people. And eventually what happens to all people who decide to outcast themselves is the majority kind of gets like the majority's like oh no we're all doing it this way There's such and a... we're gonna force everyone to do it this way too there is such <laughs> a thing as majority privilege and it seems to me you believe it is inevitable for that to come to the forefront when the time comes to choose chip or no chip if you were a horse buggy driver in the year 1920 or like whenever right before the cars started coming you could resist it you could resist the cars it's possible how long can you resist the cars? You could still be a horse buggy person today. You could still drive it. It's not the same. It's not what it was. We, we have cars. <laughs> we And we don't know a world without them. That's what it becomes. It becomes your kids don't know the time without I, I the feel chip. Like, I feel like you're stalling me here. How? Is Joe Santangelo... I said chip gang. Oh, you're chip I gang. I started this by okay, chip I'm gang. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess I just wanted the hard yes or hard no. You're chip gang all the way. I'm not first three years chip gang. I'm I'm, I'm like, all right, you're alive. Bro, what is three years time for someone who's that's chip gang? Honestly, you know what I'm that's saying? Part, that's part of wait and see. What if like, there's only early adopters? What if I put in the chip and then I understand every language and I understand like everything? I could just be Wikipedia just really quickly. Yes, Nick, because I won't be able to get a job bro, if I can't do that shit. Bro, what, Everyone's going to be Chip Gang. Bro, imagine I could look at you and through facial recognition software, uh-huh. I, I could like trace your IP address and look at all your Google searches ever and all of those go into my brain at once. And now I'm judging you. Chip Gang! <laughs> That's how that's how we rock, and then we make fun of the non-chip people. That's we're gonna have a private group chat for all the chip guys. Bro, bro, we just I don't know all of the non-chip people. Here's my thing. We're I don't know. Losers. I don't know if I'm chip gang. I don't. I think you're distinctly really don't not know. chip gang. I don't know. I resist chip gang out of self-preservation. Um, As we humans do. That could be my ego talking, because maybe my ego dies when I do the chip. But I think. I'm going to start keeping a tally on this podcast of who's Chip Gang, who's not Chip Gang, Chip who's gang. going in between. I know J-Rob is not Chip Gang. J-Rob, if you're listening. Shout out J-Rob. Shout out J-Rob. Shout out J-Rob. Not Chip Gang. So. Uh, on, the, on the whole Chip thing. Do it. I just, I just think like, all right. Every, like, people resist technology out of self-preservation all the time. I think humans have a better track record of the market picking what actually works than it doesn't. I think if the chips suck, we won't use them. And I think they will only continue. Like, that's why I think most people are going to have the, hey, I won't be the first chip guy, except for the sick fucks who are going to be the first chip guys. And if they don't die and their lives are better, then we're going to use them. And I, like, as far as does my ego die, if there's something robotic in me, or I mean... I don't think I'm the same Joe that I was when I met you, and I don't think you're the same Nick either, and I don't know, like, I think your ego does die a little bit. I think you keep dying every day. So you think the ego is continually, continuously dissolving? Yeah. New experiences change what you perceive as truth and then change your actions. So that's kind of how I think about it. Like something different could happen to you tomorrow that changes how you perceive a bunch of people in your life. It would have to be monumental. It would have to be something significant. Hey, monumental things happen. I mean, it's like the uh, it's yeah. like the Joker says, "You're just one bad day away from madness." 
<laughs> I hope most of us have better resolve than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think we do. I think also the scarcity is the enemy. Like, if there is an enemy, it's just when you have less, you act shitty. Well, but it's also funny to see how things, like, balance out. Like, for so much of human history, we were fucking starving. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that's not talked about. I, I think it's I don't want to be. I don't want to be too snobby about that, but it's not something that's not talked about enough. Okay. It's not. It's the the con- the nor- the average person I found isn't very conscious of how hungry people were a hundred years ago. How could you be, man? Even though we talk about it, we don't really know. We don't feel that hungry, you know. I don't feel the hunger like those people felt. That I don't hungry. feel it, but I do my best to try and be conscious of it when yeah. I'm judging the world at its current state. And I guess what I was saying before is, I find it funny how we spent millennia hungry, mm-hmm. and then once you know, America got this whole thing going, obesity became a problem. Yeah. Like, that's almost, like, comical. Uh, I think... It's like we were so hungry. It's like when we had access to food, like, always and everywhere, we just went fucking nuts. Excuse me. But, yeah, I think that's natural. And here's why. I think it's like uh, how people go crazy with social media and, like, that new dopamine. Like, I've never gotten so many people liking me or looking at me at all times. I'm sure it was very novel. To be able to consume 5,000 calories within an hour. You know? How many humans can say that you can do that? You can, like, hey, I'm going to go spend 20 bucks at McDonald's and just have a crazy amount of energy. The thing that my body breaks down is energy up in here. Um, I like what a lot of things we've been talking about. It's just new experiences that only a short generation of humans have ever had. Uh... I think that the reason why that... I think that's declining. And I think the reason it's declining is because now that I think we realize that our physical health, like we're not going to starve for the most part, that uh, that's taken care of. We could at least feed people your basic shit on... Like, on a couple bucks, you could eat McDonald's and survive, which before you'd starve. I think now we're going to worry more about emotional health. I think over the next 50 years or so, and that's a really long time, but... I would hope so. I mean, I hope you're grouping mental health in with emotional health. So I feel like the two yeah. of them do go together. I think it's very... Yeah, they border each other, you know? Uh, like, we just figured out how to do physical health. So do you think once we have mental health figured out, we're going to go, like, the total other spectrum of, like, mental health? Like, we'll go... <laughs> like, it's like, why are we so happy all the I time? I think that's going to be tough because chaos is entertaining. And I think, oh, for sure. So it's like, we just look at story arcs and television, something has to happen the main character to make it interesting there has to be a plot well, we need you need conflict, conflict. <laughs> yeah but imagine i'd always be curious and I, I don't know maybe you you can shout at me any stories you know that are like this but is there any story that builds around the conflict is there's no conflict or there's not enough conflict because that could be a conflict <laughs> it sounds like a parody of anything but well, I mean, not... without conflict you don't have growth yeah I don't... like many theorize that only through conflict do we evolve I never really watched Seinfeld like that, but the idea of it being a show about nothing seems like... Well, Seinfeld but has its conflict. conflict. It has right? its conflict. Yeah, I'm never really... Again, like, I brought it up because it's a, a shot in the dark. But it's like, it's like the, the conflict is something you and I could so easily run into. Like, something like... something. There was a mishap at the laundromat when we got our clothes back. Or, like, we got somebody else's shirt and there was something weird in the pocket. Like, it, that, that's basically what that's, that show's like. Yeah. You like, need to watch Seinfeld. You gotta get on it. I'll get on the Seinfeld wave. Okay. Gotta get on the Seinfeld. You live in New York, bro. Get on that Seinfeld wave. Uh, there are movies. There are shows. There are so many things. That There's endless watch. content. There's endless content. 
It's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. another thing. Maybe maybe we were starving for content too. Like all we could read was the fucking Bible. It's like oh, I gotta read Matthew again. And it's like, now you have Netflix. It's like of course we're like possessed. Yeah, we're you know? sorting it out. <laughs> we're sorting all that out. That's why I feel like some of these conversations are left at like a drop where I'm just like, okay, we're still. It's so complicated. There's so many variables to how Netflix has affected the culture at mass. How there's so many shows that everyone's like, okay, have you seen this yet? Oh my god, you have to see that. But no one really has enough time to watch all the shows. Well, I feel terrible, man. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I haven't watched Game of Thrones. I haven't watched Westworld. I haven't watched Westworld. You you dropping the ball? It's like I can't. On the com- best shows. It's like I can't communicate with people anymore. I mean, how am I going to have this media podcast and not watch Game of Thrones and Westworld? You have to really steer to the things that you know. Well, luckily, <laughs> luckily, I know a lot of things. You do know things. Oh my goodness! But Joe Santangelo, I think we I think I, we had a great time here. Is a wrap? I think yeah. it's a wrap. All right. I think we yeah, I had a All great right. time. I had a wonderful time. Thank you. A most wonderful time. I want. I would so, love to have you on. I'd love more and more. I'd love. So this is episode one. I'll see y'all on episode hundred. That's what I'm calling my shot. Two years. Two years for the return of Joe Santangelo on the Landy Lodge. You heard it here first. Follow me on at Joe Ask Questions if you think I'm cool. And if not, you know, whatever. You're entitled to your opinion. That's Joe Santangelo for you, motherfuckers. He's a sick fuck. He's doing great things. He's conquering the world, taking New York City by storm, moving from Staten Island to Long Island, hopping back to Staten Island when he needs to, living here on Long Island with his headquarters. You can't stop Joe Santangelo. You can't stop Joe asks questions. You know why? Because he asks questions and he gets answers. Joe Santangelo, thank you for coming on. Follow him at Joe asks questions. We out. We out. <laughs>